Hello, friends. I'm Paul White, and this is the Deeper Daily Podcast. Thanks for joining me on this fourth day of December. I want to remind you I'm in Westminster, South Carolina tonight and tomorrow morning. Details at my website, paulwhiteministries.com. Excited about this weekend and sharing good news with the good people of Westminster. Also, I want to give you a heads up for the sermon that will drop tomorrow. Every Sunday, we put out a full-length sermon. This one comes from the November monthly meeting in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where we concluded the seven-month series on the seven churches of Asia. Starting uh, way back in the spring, we decided to do the seven churches as listed in Revelation 2 and 3. We did them in the order in which they appear in the text. That brought us to Laodicea in the month of November. This is the seventh and final church. It's most famous as being the church that Jesus threatens to vomit out of his mouth because they are neither cold nor hot. And then there's also the very famous 20th verse of Revelation 3. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open the door, I'll commence up with him, dine with him, him dine with me. This is the invitation to dine with Jesus And I tackle this from a historical perspective. We look at the context of this church within the other seven churches, but I really go to work on those two highlights, the fact that they're neither cold nor hot, and therefore, because they're lukewarm, they're going to be spewed out of the mouth. We talk about the only other spot in the Bible in which something is spewed out of the mouth, and we use that as some context. But we talk about the word lukewarm within the narrative context. What did that word mean to the audience of that day? Not just what that word has come to mean to us, because those are two different things, as you might imagine. And then that famous 20th verse where Jesus is knocking on the door. If you consider that the sixth church, Philadelphia, had an open door in front of them, and then in Revelation 5, the very next, I'm sorry, Revelation 4, the very next passage, there's an open door in heaven. Then what is the closed door at Laodicea? And we dig into that. This, of all of the seven churches, I think I had the most fun with Philadelphia, but I think I had the most insight with Laodicea. I think you're going to enjoy it around 53 minutes or so, so not too terribly long. Um, I, I, I hope that you will check it out. If you haven't watched or listened to the other six churches, don't feel as if you have to. You, you don't. I think, of course, it will help um, to understand the context and the flow, but if you haven't, please jump in and enjoy. It's titled, The Seven Churches, Laodicea. Available Tomorrow at paulwhiteministries.com, available in audio wherever you are listening and however you are listening to the DDP. All right, speaking of DDP, we daily try to go a little deeper, and what we've been doing is taking a deep dive in the Abrahamic story, walking with Abraham in his journey of faith, the real call to adventure, and finding out how in so many ways it mirrors what you and I are invited to do, which is enter this great adventure with Christ And then we can, off of that, find all of these offshoots of theology. And one of the offshoots of theology has been the 
the real establishment of a message of righteousness. What does righteousness look like? We do not see righteousness as a concept until Genesis 15, 6. Abraham believed in the Lord and it was counted to him for righteousness. That led us off the last few days into Romans 4, where the Apostle Paul discusses righteousness as being on the back of Abraham's faith. I don't want to go verse by verse in the Romans story, but I do want to jump ahead because there's something coming up that to me speaks volumes as to where Abraham is in the moment in Genesis 15. And what you, I think you'll know what I mean. Let's read from Romans 4 verse 9. Does this blessedness come upon the circumcised only or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham for righteousness. How then was it counted? While he was circumcised or while he was uncircumcised? This is a question. And Paul answers it with, not while he was circumcised, but while he was uncircumcised, and he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had while he was still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe, though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also. We'll work on that more deeper into Genesis, but I wanted to bring this out today because it brings up a very important point from our Genesis 15 account. That is this. God calls Abraham from Ur of the Chaldees. He is not a quote-unquote righteous man. He hasn't done anything right. Even after he's called out of Ur, he still makes these drastic errors like the journey down into Egypt that nearly costs him his wife. He takes Lot with him, and then that fiasco of having to go rescue Lot. So much of what's happened so far in the Abrahamic story has been a result of him not quite doing things correctly. And now God wants to enter into a blood covenant with Abraham. We're going to get into the next few days why that blood covenant was necessary on Abraham's part. But aside from that, uh, what we can notice as we look at the story is that righteousness becomes the theme in Genesis 15. It hasn't been the theme before. It's just been do what you're told to do, do accept the invitation. Now we find that by accepting it, he's righteous. But here's the great question Paul poses in Romans 4. Is his righteousness declared in an uncircumcised state or in a circumcised state? And the answer is uncircumcised for the same reasons that you need to point out that Abraham is a Gentile. The first person to answer the call to faith is a Gentile, an unrighteous Gentile, what Paul would call the ungodly. And yet, by answering the call to faith, he is declared to be righteous. Circumcision doesn't enter the equation until the 17th chapter of Genesis. We'll get there. But it's not yet a part of what's going on. And so Paul's argument to the Roman Christians is, if Abraham could be declared righteous without circumcision, then why are we fighting over whether or not people can be righteous in Christ, whether they're circumcised or not? Circumcision would actually become the argument for Paul. It's the one that he sort of, 
If you're going to die on a hill, he chooses that hill. I'm going to die on this hill that equality in Christ's righteousness is not established by physical signs and circumcisions and seals and things of that nature. And he chooses that to be his real message. That's half the book of Galatians, by the way, is that argument. And it's why in the Acts 15 council at Jerusalem, it's such an amazing, it's such a powerful argument as to whether or not they should encourage Gentiles to go on to be circumcised. You consider, here sets Paul, who's making this argument. All right, we've worked a little bit here in Romans 4. Let's jump back tomorrow into Genesis 15 and keep working on the Abrahamic story because we're getting into the blood covenant. There's a lot to talk about. We'll do it tomorrow. See you then. God bless.